at a league of her own, DC's only lesbian bar, the best way to make friends is to set up camp at the stool closest to the bartender. This is according to Laurel Powell, a regular there. Everybody that went to the well to order drinks, like, I would have an opportunity to strike up a, a conversation with them if I wanted to, or whoever was working behind the bar would have a chance to introduce me to whoever. Laurel did this after work, three times a week, for about two years. Literally, we used to joke that maybe we should um, put a plaque on one of the stools right in front of the television because she would come in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and we would watch Jeopardy together. This is Ali Spalding, the general manager at A League of Her Own. Aloho for short. And now a good friend of Laurel's. She talks about this chair like it's got some kind of a plaque on it. It doesn't. It's just a regular bar stool. But what I would do is I would, after a while, I started sitting in the same spot. Before Aloho, Laurel had never had much of a social life. I was always pretty sedate and I, I never really partied in my 20s. Uh, ever. Uh, It was not really part of of my experience. That was so outside the realm of what I could even imagine myself doing. Laurel moved to D.C. a few months before Aloha first opened in 2018 to take a job with the National Center for Transgender Equality. But that didn't make it any easier to find queer friends. I didn't have any relationships that went more than like a thimble deep. It was all very surface level stuff. Um, a really big part of DC and DC kind of professional life uh, is just the constant networking. Anytime I would run into someone else who also worked in the LGBTQ movement, there's always that that networking angle that kicks in and you like almost can't help it. There hadn't been a lesbian bar in town since a bar called Phase One closed in 2016. So Laura was excited to hear about this new bar called A League of Her Own. It felt like a queer cheers. You would walk in and you would know somebody there. You would know the person behind the bar. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey! Norman? How you doing, Norm? I felt like Norm in my own, like, uh, amazing queer women's space. It was fantastic. At a certain extent, I felt like one of the popular kids in school, which as a little queer kid growing up in Arkansas, like never happened in a million years. In February 2020, Laurel moved to Columbus, Ohio to work for Planned Parenthood there. Then, before she even had the chance to get settled, the pandemic hit. I was very much in a bubble of one and then a bubble of one and a stray cat that wandered into my house. Laurel says she didn't like the person she became in quarantine. Basically, she felt like an introvert again. It, it got really dark, especially during the winter when it was really, really bad, where I would like wake up and I would work and then I would go to bed. And there was like nothing in between. And it really just brought into crystal clarity that like, I don't even, I don't, I don't want new friends. I want those friends. I want the, the people that I know and love a lot of whom I met at Aloha. So Laurel began searching for jobs back in D.C. to return to her old life and her old self. She got a job with the Human Rights Campaign and moved this past August. When we talked to her back in July, she couldn't wait for the move. I have the date, August 4th, circled 
on my calendar. Like I'm literally selling my house that I bought in Columbus because I thought that I could ever leave this amazing chosen family. Uh, and I'm, I'm going back and I, I couldn't be happier. This is Cruising, a podcast about the last lesbian bars in the U.S. My name is Sarah Gabrielli, and I'm traveling to each one of them with my two friends and chosen family. This is stop number three, Aloha. Aloha is located in Adams Morgan, a DC neighborhood known for its queerness and lively nightlife. A lot of the bars on the main strip are stacked on top of each other, one on each floor of a building. And that's the case at Aloha. Wait, 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 wait. What? This is taking us back. No, no. Halfway through our night there, Rachel, Jen, and I got lost somewhere on a middle level. We're trying to find our way back down to Aloha on the bottom floor. So this is this is the gamer room. That was the gay man room. And then the other one was like the eating room, the eatery. I'm trying to explain the layout of the building. Aloha is on the basement level and its dance floor is above it. Aloha is the sister bar to Pitchers, a more gay male-centric space, which takes up the rest of the building. Pitchers includes a pub space that serves food called Home Base. Above that is a video game room called First Base. And then the rooftop terrace called Dugout. All of the bars kind of flow into each other. Your ID gets checked once at whichever entrance you use. And then you're free to bounce from room to room. Kind of like Hogwarts. There's like a million stairwells. (laughs) Do the Um, stairs move? God, no. That was Allie again, Aloha's general manager. We eventually found the right staircase and made our way back down to Aloha. It's kind of pub-like. Um, we have a lot of tables. We have a lot of, like, standing room. We have video games. Uh, I'm currently playing SpongeBob, ESPN, and the remake of Ghostbusters with Kate McKinnon. So, like, we like to make sure that there's a really good spread for everyone. I immediately uh, gravitated towards the wall of heroes next to the bar. That's where the Aloha staff hangs pictures of queer icons. Jodie Foster, Wanda Sykes, Laverne Cox, a few important figures for the LGBT movement like RBG, and of course, Rosie O'Donnell's up there. Not counting them too much, I was in a hospital, bat hit me right in the head, bam. In her baseball uniform, from the movie A League of Their Own, the bar's namesake. How did you do that? Excuse me. Hey, hey, you caught that? Hello? The wall makes for some fun conversations. If I had to pick one person on the wall to marry... Okay, so it's a toss-up, because... So you're not going to choose one? All right, I will choose one. It's Lena Waithe. Okay. Who, what about you? Who's your, yeah, who's yeah. your marriage pick? Um, I, I have to go with Janelle Monet. It's an incredible choice. She's so beautiful yes. and talented that it is almost upsetting to me. Like, if her songs come on... Sometimes I have to change it. Like, I I can't fall down that rabbit hole. I guess this is what makes a good bartender a good bartender. But Allie is very charming. We were able to sit at the bar and watch her in action earlier in the day. Hi, friends. How are y'all? When someone wasn't sure what to order, Allie would offer to play a game she called triage to narrow down their options. So the first question is wine, liquor, beer. Before long, everyone was crowded around the bar engaging in the same conversation about the same game. Yeah! Yeah. 
Granted, Aloha had just opened and there were only about 10 of us. But I had never experienced anything like that before. Community forming right in front of me. Every other Thursday, Ali hosts Aloha's Trivia Night in drag. Typically, if you're AFAB and you say that you do drag, people automatically assume that you are a king. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm a queen. And sometimes that really throws people. Ophelia Diamonds is her drag name. It is very um, fat bubblegum princess uh, with, like, slight sass, definitely southern, um, glitter, 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 glitter. Allie started doing drag about six years ago in Roanoke, Virginia, where she used to live. There, she says about half of the drag performers, both queens and kings, were AFAB, assigned female at birth. Growing up, Allie was a dancer and a cheerleader, so she brought that into her drag character. Um, I did all the things that good straight girls do, and, um, and I still loved it. So I was like, this is the way for me to do it, but really be queer and really be myself. Uh, and so I, I found an acceptance in a family that I didn't previously have. And it was really liberating to, to have people celebrate me being the most tacky, gaudy, feminine version of myself. In 2018, Ali picked up and moved to D.C. to work as a bartender at Aloha. Here, and in most places outside of Roanoke, it's a lot less common to see AFAB drag queens. At first it was a little different. I was not used to not being booked. But the show director at Aloha gave her a shot. In addition to bartending, they hired her to perform every once in a while in drag. And now, she performs a few times a month around the city. Drag did take a little bit of a backseat, um... But I also, you know, got to wear glitter here when I bartended. So it was kind of a nice little trade-off where I didn't have to um, slick down my eyebrows and wear, like, a 10-pound wig. But I could still wear all the makeup that I wanted and the, like, jewelry and the clothing and, like, um, still feel, like, hyper, hyper femme and accepted. At Aloha, Ali feels celebrated for her femininity. She says she tries to make everyone feel celebrated for who they are and what they accomplish. For me, it feels like coming into your, like, wildly supportive grandma's kitchen, and she's like, I made you six different cakes, but also we have shots with edible glitter in them because you did something really big for yourself today, and we're celebrating. And this happens every day. Ali has this very amazing way to understand who you are. This is Andrea Prudencia, or Prudence, a bartender for Aloha and Pitchers. She just knows very well what you need and and how to make you feel special. And she treats that way everybody. Prudence grew up in Colombia. Her father is Saudi Arabian and her mother is Colombian. And my mom didn't work. My father was wealthy, but he was very machista. So it was a really abusive physically and mentally life. And so I, was, I, I grew up with a lot of hate, and that was destroying me inside. She didn't come out as trans until much later in life, after she had moved to the States and lived many years as a gay man. I was definitely, I was born really feminine. I was a girl. Prudence referred to her father as machista or sexist. He forced her to repress her femininity. My father really did a great job blocking this in my life. I hated to be feminine. I hated femininity. Even when I was gay, I didn't like when I used to see myself feminine. I thought I needed to change. So I started becoming really masculine and I started 
trying to be a different person. At 17, Prudence's father kicked her out. She spent some time modeling in Panama and Costa Rica, and then came to America in 2011. My grandfather is American, and I moved here with a visa to try to help my mom to move here because, you know, it was crazy in my house, and she wanted to divorce my father. So I moved here, started helping her with the papers to my grandfather. For a while, she lived in New York City with a boyfriend. Also, I live um, to the full my gay life. And I really enjoyed it, but it was something missing. There was something always missing. I was always buying clothes of women and just hiding them. Through all of this, Prudence was still presenting as a gay man. I would have beautiful boyfriends, I would have beautiful life, but I would cheat on them. I would never be fully happy. The gay world, I leave it on the fullest, but I was not fully happy. As a coping mechanism, Prudence started abusing drugs. When her mom finally moved to the States in 2015, she knew something needed to change. And I was like, you know, I need to find myself. So Prudence moved to D.C. to be with her mom and started seeing a therapist. About two years ago, she finally came out to her mom. I say, I, I, I want to be a woman. And my mom told me, I want, I'd rather to see you becoming a woman. That is what you really want, the killing yourself on drugs and having a bad life. I support you. It's going to be really hard, but I support you. Around that same time, Prudence began transitioning. I remember the first time I took my first estrogen. It was crazy, you know, because it takes a lot, a lot of time to change. But I, I swear, God, I woke up, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I saw my eye, like, you know, like a little bit more, wrink, like, you know, more, more foxy. And I was like, I feel, I feel good. For her hormone treatment, Prudence has to travel to Cal and Lord in New York City, a community health center that provides care to the LGBTQ community regardless of their ability to pay. And her mom? My mom was my big support. She's been with me since the beginning. She would go with me to New York to get my hormones because I didn't have insurance. What else has helped Prudence's journey? Having a community at Aloha to support her through her transition. It's definitely way easier to have a transition that way because it's, um, hormones really messed up with your, with your head. They make you really um, depressed sometimes, and and if you're alone, it's even harder. So I think I think one of the biggest things that a trans woman needs is that is true love next to them, holding their hands and going with the path. Before Aloha came on the scene, there wasn't an established space for queer femmes in D.C. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, a lesbian bar called Phase One had been the spot since 1970. But that closed in 2016. So in the two years before Aloha opened, different groups and bars would host pop-up parties for lesbians around the city. Some of those spaces were, uh, shall we say, hard to navigate and hard to catch my footing in. This is Garnet, another Aloha bartender. I am a darker-skinned Black trans woman. I, um, unlike a lot of the black trans women that run across your TV screen now with things like Pose, I am not 5'6", I am 5'10 and a half. And much love to the other trans femmes out there who are straight and who all you like is not only men, but straight men. But that is not my testimony. I like, I like butch women. At these parties, Garnet would never meet other people like her. She felt like she didn't belong. There is no genuine... Uh, attempt to investigate the personhood is what I was feeling. You know, this thing of like, this thing that often happens to like black women in general, 
It's like, you're here and you're cool because you're like fierce and you've contributed to the culture, but you are not someone who is going to take up romantic or possibly sexual space. But she never got that feeling at Aloha. It was just like, okay, cool, you're here, you, like, this is how you identify it? Cool, come in, hang out, and have a good time. While Aloha is a safe haven for many, no space is perfect. This year at Pride, pitchers in Aloha stirred up some controversy in the D.C. community. People waiting in line outside the bars were instructed to split off into two lines, one for men and one for women, forcing genderqueer people to pick a line or go somewhere else. An apology post on Aloha's Facebook page elaborated. A male security guard had been insisting Aloha was exclusively for women. But that's not how Ali runs her bar. She says they have since switched to a new security team. We're growing with our community. Uh, We're learning, just like everyone else, you know, like, because the biggest thing you can do when you make a mistake is say, I made a mistake and here's how we're fixing it. The owner of both pitchers in Aloha, Dave Peruza, also posted an apology to the pitcher's Facebook page. He said they were underprepared for pride and apologized for not being more sensitive to pronouns in the past. Moving forward, he said, all staff will continue with diversity training. As far as we know, Aloha is the only lesbian bar owned by a cis man. According to Ali, this has been beneficial to Aloha. For one thing, the partnership between pitchers and Aloha offers financial stability. During the pandemic, Pitchers was the one continuing to bring in business. When you look at pay disparity and the pay wage gap, cis, white, gay men make the most money and have the most money. So we're really able to leverage that and say, hey, you know, like, we made it through this pandemic because we are the sister bar of pitchers. You know, we were able to get through this because of their support. But Aloha itself is predominantly run by queer women. And like I said, Dave is very hands-off. Um, he gives me f- total and complete control. Uh, I pretty much run it as a separate entity. He's been really wonderful in just being like, look, like, I don't know what it's like to be a lesbian, so tell me what queer women want, you know, like, and then we'll do that. As general manager, Ali basically has complete control over things like decor, events, and hiring. In her hiring process, Ali really seems to value diversity. And according to Garnet, the bartender, that's part of what makes so many people feel comfortable at Aloho, because they're able to see themselves in the staff. I think it's partially about the people that are hired, because, like, there are other people who work at the bar who who are parts of my identity, but I'm the only full intersection of myself. And now, Garnet herself adds another layer of representation to the Aloha staff. And I have at this point in the, you know, month and a half that I have worked there, had several people come up to me and ask me my pronouns and just be like, so you and I are the same? And I have never been to a space where someone like you has been there working in general but, you know, they've also expressed it like you were nice and you're pretty. And it was really, really nice to walk in and see you and immediately feel like I belonged here. Garnet lives to make her customers feel good about themselves. 
especially ones that are new to gay nightlife. That's her favorite part of the job. Do you remember your first time going to like a, any sort of gay bar? There is this moment that happens, right? You walk in and everybody's loud and it's bright and you're kind of like tiptoeing in because you're like a baby queer and you're kind of confused. And then all of a sudden you hear, here, hey, hun, what can I do for you? You turn around and there's just this face smiling at you. And you know they're doing their job, but at the same time, they just kind of hold a little space. And in the midst of all of that, like, sound, that cacophony of people screaming and giggling and kissing, there's all of a sudden you're in the eye of the storm and there's one person kind of holding space for you and saying, you are the only thing I'm paying attention to right now. So what can I do to get you set to go off into this adventure? As we track lesbian bars around the country, we've actually seen a small wave of new bars opening, or at least planning to open. One of these future bar owners is the former general manager for A League of Her Own. She originally helped Dave open Aloho and hired Allie as a bartender. Hi, I'm Joe McDaniel. I use she, her pronouns, and I am one of the founders of As You Are Bar. The other founder is Joe's partner, Rach Pike, another former Aloho employee. She worked as head of security. I use she, they, daddy pronouns. We met up with the pair at their neighborhood bar, a few blocks from their D.C. apartment. That's good, my guy. Joe's 18-year-old child, Avery, had gotten us a table. Remember that time when I was like, order us breakfast, we're going to slam food and take you to work. And then I was like, oh, JK, I'm also bringing three strangers from Brooklyn. (laughs) Joe had Avery in 2003. She was 21 at the time and still closeted. I came out uh, shortly after they were born, officially. I tried to talk to my mom when I was 15 and got kind of shot down. When Avery was two, Joe moved them from Virginia to D.C. The first thing Joe did when she got to the city was look for a job. I was a single mom, and I had worked in medicine, so I was, like, going for a job at a hospital. Any job like that that requires, like, a lot of background and stuff takes a couple of months. While waiting for her background checks to clear a friend introduced Joe to the general manager at Apex, a queer nightclub in D.C. I moved to D.C. on a Tuesday. I went to college night on Thursday at Apex and met Joey O, the manager who I'm still close with. I credit him entirely for my industry career. Um, He was the GM at, at Apex, and my first shift was that Friday. It was at Apex that Joe fell in love with working in queer nightlife. Their college nights were 18 plus. And Joe remembers watching the teenagers discover the bar for the first time. And this human walked up the stairs onto the dance floor and was like kind of checking it out like you do when you're alone in a space that's large. And this girl who I knew pushed her girlfriend against the mirror gently and like kissed her. And this kid's face, the change on this kid's face, like, oh, shit, that's possible. Like, we can do that here. Joe stayed at Apex for six months, then went on to work at a number of other D.C. gay bars. And I have worked at... Apex, Cobalt, Freddy's Beach Bar and Grill, Phase 1, Phase 1 of DuPont, and A League of Her Own. Today, only A League of Her Own and Freddy's are still open. And Freddy's is actually across the river in Arlington, Virginia. But Joe has never gotten tired of bartending. 
And it's funny because a lot of bartenders, especially in gay bars, end up really jaded. And 16 years in, I still really love it. And I still really love the people, even though, yes, y'all are annoying as hell sometimes. Absolutely. Joe always tells Avery, it's important to work somewhere that makes you feel satisfied at the end of the day. And especially because I was a single mom. So Avery's whole life, I've been really like mindful about what I do and where I work. And that's part of why I've always stayed bartending. So over the years, Joe has balanced working in queer bars with working in medicine. Currently, as she and Rach are planning to open their bar, Joe is moonlighting as a 911 operator. So I needed a gig that had benefits uh, until we plan to offer benefits to our staff. And so until we have that lined up, I'll stay at this D.C. government job and keep uh, Avery's meds covered. Avery has psoriatic arthritis, an inflammatory arthritis that affects people with psoriasis. That's why Joe stays on as a 911 operator. So that was the biggest part of it. And then it was also, um, you know, we're like, as we're putting this together, it's real. It's, it's, it's really expensive to live at all. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it since January, and we'll probably keep it until right before we open. Also, she's really good at it. <laughs> that was Rach again, Joe's partner. The pair first met in 2018 when Joe interviewed Rach for the security job at Aloha. Literally shaved my head 30 minutes before I showed up. And so I come in and sh- expecting the woman I'd met the weekend before, and she has bicked her head. And so I'm like kind of looking around, and she's sitting at the bar, and she's like, hey, Joe? And I was like... Uh, hi. <laughs> Joe and Rach wouldn't start dating for another couple of years. But from the beginning, they were both really committed to making Aloha a safe space for patrons. The moment we met, we fell into step. Like, our missions align and we yin and yang so well. And like Ali does now, they had a lot of creative control over the bar. For example, from the time Aloha opened, Joe implemented the enthusiastic model of consent. That means you can only order as many drinks as there are people in front of the bartender, confirming that they want one. That means if five people ask for shots, five people have to say hell yes, or at least raise their hands. Um, you can't buy a drink for someone without them without asking them, because that we want to shift that narrative. To I this day, so Aloha still uses this policy, and Joe and Rach plan to bring it over to the new bar. I've definitely had like moments where people are like, hey, I want to buy that person down there a drink. And I was like, great, I'll be right back. And I'm like, somebody would like to buy you a drink. Do you accept? And then I go back and I'm like, they accept. No problem. And they're like, yeah. And it doesn't, that doesn't rob them of anything. It's not, it's not like I forced them to go have an uncomfortable conversation. I'm like, I'll handle it, but we're going to make sure that they want that. It's less romantic to go introduce yourself and... I don't know. I think it's sexier. (laughs) I know. As head of security, Rach aimed to adapt her security practices to what she calls safety management. This means moving away from intimidation and more towards communication. Somebody came in and grabbed a beer but was barely drinking it and leaning against the counter with no friends and was like an AMAB human and was staring at two women making out instead of just being you know, aggressive like security would be, we would just walk up and say like, hey, friend, wait, what brings you in tonight? And they'd be like, oh, I'm waiting for a friend. I'm super nervous. Okay, well, that's a different conversation. Now we can warm them up. Or if they're like, which is typically if they were there being a creep, they would quickly be like, I was just leaving. And I was like, great idea. I'm glad you thought of that. In early 2021, Joe and Rach left Aloha. First of all, Aloha has a strict no fraternization policy. And we were in love. We were in love. (laughs) But most importantly, 
they had begun the process of opening their own queer bar. They first had the idea while chatting and drinking wine on a friend's patio. Two of our friends were like, why aren't you doing this by yourself? Because like you could crush it. And then the money goes back into the community of like queer women. And I was ready. I was like, let's go. Where do we, what do we, where do we start? A lot of their ideas were too expensive to implement at Aloho. Like adding a wheelchair ramp leading upstairs to the dance floor. There's not a second floor dance floor in D.C. that's accessible. And, you know, we happen to know several humans in wheelchairs who would come frequent our dance floor and would love that opportunity and don't get that opportunity. Their plans don't stop there. They also want to be able to include younger queer people in the space. Those under the age of 21 who won't even be able to buy drinks at their bar. But Joe and Rach believe they are making worthy investments. People show up to support people doing the right thing and we'll make, we're not trying to get rich, we're trying to make enough money to keep the doors open and continue to create safe spaces. Rach came up with the name for their bar. It's called As You Are Bar. That's it. It's as simple as that. I just want to be able to come as I am. I want to use the restroom as I am. I want to, I want to see my friends come in as they are. I and of course we wanted to know, what categorizes Aloho and As You Are Bar as a lesbian bar? Clearly, their communities are made up of more than just lesbians. Here's Rach. Ultimately, a a lesbian bar in 2021 is a bar that includes all the quote-unquote lesbians of our community that have language for the other representations and the other parts of the community they're involved with or identifying with that they could never speak of before. Joe and Rach hope As You Are Bar can exist alongside Aloho as another option for the queer community in D.C. We're not trying to compete and close other bars. We're trying to add options to the bars that we have. And so we really want people to do better, including us. We, we need to do better. It's funny, but when Allie was talking about Aloho, she echoed Joe and Rachel's idea of coming as you are. I think that's what makes a lot of queer bars special. It is that acceptance, it's that warmth, it's that come any way you are because the way you are is exactly how we want you because that's perfect. Because who you are and how you identify is exactly how we want to see you. Soon enough, DC will have not one, but two bars with this motto. Joe and Rach hope to open As You Are Bar by the end of 2021. Cruising is reported and produced by Rachel Karp, Jen McGinnity, and me, Sarah Gabrielli, with music by Joey Freeman. Follow us along on our road trip and see pictures at our website, cruisingpod.com, or follow us on social media at cruisingpod. That's C-R-U-I-S-I-N-G-P-O-D. Special thanks to Laurel, Allie, Prudence, Garnet, Joe, and Rach. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.